Hello there, friends, and welcome back to the Tea with Lee podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about something that I have been going around and around in in my head with for a while, trying to figure out if I was going to talk about it, mainly because I am a very private person. I very much value privacy, and I'm deeply introverted, and I'm very intentional about what I share. And I... The irony is not lost on me that I am out on the internet. Hey, buddy. You, you want to sit with me? Very unprofessional. Oh, you want to sit there? You can sit there. This is a vulnerable topic, number one. It's also a very touchy topic. Anything to do with infertility, motherhood, children, people are very sensitive. And we also live in a very emotionally sensitive driven, reactive world. My goal here is to encourage and provoke thought that ultimately leads to seeking truth, which the end game of truth is freedom. So I am going to share today about my journey with infertility, about finding joy, about where I'm at now, things that I've only shared with a couple of people very close to me. If you are new here, I would love to have you stick around and subscribe so that we can visit again. I have other types of videos here on this channel, so feel free to browse around and let me know if you have any questions. We also have a website, ourlittlehouseonthemountain.com, where you can find our blog, our Cozy Corner Mercantile, and other links and things to look at. I have my Amazon store on there as well. And if you are a returning subscriber, Thank you. I hope you know I love you and I so appreciate your support. So let us get right into it. I've had a few people ask me how old I am. I will be 38 years old this year. I don't know when that happened. I know that's not old. It just feels like it happened when I wasn't looking. And it's an interesting age in terms of my infertility journey because I'm not completely past my childbearing years, but I'm edging in there. And one thing that I have not shared publicly that I've only shared with a few people close to me is that a four, five, well, five months ago now, I actually started having uh, perimenopausal symptoms, which having those start a bit earlier is more normal for women who have had lifelong endometriosis. I had my first symptoms when I was 12. And like I said, I'll be 38 this year. So right around 25 years. It's been a long journey. And I guess Zion came in here because he's my emotional support dog and I can pet him down here beneath the camera while I'm talking to you about all this. It's a very, very painful disease and it causes all kinds of other conditions in the body can cause a lot of autoimmune sy symptoms a lot of digestive sy symptoms migraines chronic migraines fibromyalgia type symptoms um extreme fatigue and other things so it's really a whole body experience and in the last like seven years now ish God has been so gracious to me. He's given me so much wisdom about what to do to help heal. I experience things now that I would have never thought were possible 
I have had a reduction in symptoms that I never thought was possible. I have been freed of things that I never thought I could be freed of. And that is a testament to the power and the compassion and the love of God. Because he has shown me and he has given me revelation and wisdom and how to take care of myself and what to do and what not to do. And all I've had to do is say yes and implement that wisdom and that revelation into my life. You know, I did a lot of the wrong things for a long time and I didn't know. There wasn't good education on it. I didn't know where to go. You go to the gynecologist and they put you on birth control pills, which did tremendous damage to my hormones. These symptoms, you know, got to their peak. I think it was about almost seven years ago now. I thought, I thought, my, I thought my body was shutting down. I fasted and prayed and cried out to God. And ever since then, he's been slowly healing me and delivering me. You know, sometimes healing is instant. I've actually had instant healings from things. And sometimes it's slow. And I believe the times when it's slow, it's because he's showing us something. And looking back on the state that I was in, the state my body was in, I am telling you, it is like a miracle. I have watched, I've literally watched my body reverse age. Just wild. Like God is amazing. And the fact that he designed our bodies to heal. I know people with such good intentions are going to put a lot of um, thoughts in the comments of suggestions. I'm telling you, I probably tried absolutely everything. Yes, I do castor packs on a regular basis. I take the herbs, I take the supplements, I eat a perfectly clean diet that I don't cheat on. Big believer in doing the spiritual work when it comes to physical things as well. Really big believer in putting in the work in terms of what's going on in my mind and try to, as best I can, intentionally implement things into my life where my life is more intentional, more slow paced, um, where I am living in a way where I am not in a flight or fight response because years ago I was just stuck in a fight or flight response and that is so bad for your health so bad for <laughs> fertility so bad for everything and a lot of that had to do with just so much trauma that I was coming out of coming out of being heavily involved in the new age and everything that went on with that in a very abusive relationship and everything went on with that things going on in, in fam with family, things going on in the industry I was in, just constant fight or flight adrenaline rush, just day to day. And part of the reason why I promote now this, this idea of slower living, intentional living and contentment and working towards that lifestyle is because it's, it's healing and it offers us the space to be able to slowly see things for what they are and do the things we need to do to heal on every level. And it also gives us the space to be able to hear better from the Almighty. I'll be 38 this year and my husband will be 50. Yes, you heard me right. <laughs> we have a 12-year age gap. And I have seemingly entered perimenopause in the last five months. So it's, it's a new season of walking through the infertility. It was different five years ago. 
It was different 10 years ago, it was different two years ago, and it was different six months ago. And about four or five months ago when that started, I really went through an intense couple weeks of a new form of grief. But this is what I've learned about grief over the last however many years between my brother passing away and other things happening in life and going through the, the infertility journey. Grief is okay. Grief is normal. We, we, we need to allow ourselves to feel our feelings and even be honest with God with them. I, one of the most freeing things I've ever done is just let myself be honest with God. I'm angry right now. That's what I'm feeling. I'm sad, Lord. I'm frustrated. And it's kind of like going to a really loving, your loving father and just being like, I'm frustrated. He already knew that. <laughs> he already knew that before I said it. But it's so freeing to just let it out and just be honest. It's okay to let ourselves feel a feeling and honor the feeling so long as we do not let ourselves be consumed by that feeling. That's the difference. When the Bible says we as believers don't grieve as the world does, it doesn't say we don't grieve. It says we don't do it the way that the people without hope do it. So because as believers we have a, a blessed hope, we have a blessed hope because of the perfect sacrifice of Christ, because we know that through him is eternal life, because we know that there's a day coming where there will be no tears, pain, sadness, no death. We can feel hard feelings and honor them and not be consumed. And that has been key in everything I've walked through in my life, including, you want to sit here, buddy? Right there. Okay including this fertility journey and what a game changer that is. It's a game changer with my relationships with other women. It's a game changer with my relationship with the Lord, game changer with my relationship with my husband, letting myself feel feelings and not be consumed by them. Because as soon as we let the feeling become our become a God to us, we begin to make it an idol, give it too much worship, we give that feeling more time than we give God, it's become an idol and we will be consumed by it. I want to talk about the concept of an open womb. I've been thinking about this for years and I had a good conversation about it with a sister the other day. What does that look like, you know, in, in terms of the scripture? Let's think about what does open mean? Receptive, right? You're open to so if we have an open womb, what does that look like? It's not going to look the same for everybody. It's a heart posture. But I, I've noticed in some believing um, communities or denominations or uh, in certain books, it's articulated in a way where it seems like an open womb means one specific thing. Like an open womb means you're going to have as many children as, as possible. But I don't... I don't see it that way in the construct of the scripture. I see an open womb as being receptive to God's will and his wisdom and trusting him. So an open womb could look like 15 kids. 
and an open womb could look like none. And an open womb could look like one. And an open womb could look like you have two and you might want one more and your husband comes to you and says, I'm done. And you can surrender that to the Lord because you're, you are submitting your will. I think it's being open to higher will than your own. I can, I cannot let emotions dictate my life. Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. <laughs> Who can know it? The heart in the Hebrew language is mind, will, and emotions. So when it says your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, it's saying your mind, your thoughts, are deceitful. Where's the lie? Your emotions are deceitful. Where's the lie? Your will, what you think, you want to do, this, that, your, the will, is that not, where's the lie? It's deceitful. That's why we're not to follow our heart. Such bad advice we've been given in every movie since the dawn of time. In every book, in every movie. That's why we have to test everything we feel and hear and think. Tested against what the word of God filtered through his spirit. So the reality is that I might think or feel like I want something. That's, that's not necessarily God's will for me. What is the greatest example of all time that we have of the submission of the will? Yeshua, our, Jesus, Messiah, in the garden, the night he was betrayed. But not my will, but thy will be done. Someone had posted something the other day, and I, I want to make a comment on it. And I will say that I think that being a mother, people who are close to me know this, being a wife and a mother, I think are incredibly honorable meaningful, powerful callings in this world. But I saw, I saw this the other day and it was a quote, it was being passed around and it says, the most meaningful, fruitful wor work a woman will do is in rearing children. It's not in the boardroom. It's not as a corporate wage slave. I, I would agree that being a corporate wage slave is not as meaningful as raising children. It's not living an Instagram-worthy life, eventless vacations, and half-nude pics. I agree with that, too. It's in raising godly offspring. My only issue here is in the most meaningful, fruitful work a woman will do is in rearing children. We have to be careful with these things as Christians because some women can't have children. So what does this say to them? You will never, when, when I read this, if God never opens my womb for me to bear my own children, I will never be able to do the most meaningful, fruitful work a woman can do. I am exempt from that. So I will push back on that just to say that I believe that the most meaningful, fruitful work that a woman can do in this life is God's will. And that will not look the same for you and for me. The most meaningful, fruitful wor work as a woman you can do in this life 
is to do God's will, to live the purpose and the plan that he has for you. And that might look like raising children. That might look like being a wife, and it might not. Again, I still think that it is one of the highest callings on this planet. I love being a wife. But if God has called me to something else, if there's a reason why he has not opened my womb, and I'll get into that in in a moment, I am not exempt from being able to do the most meaningful, fruitful work. If God never brings you a husband, if he has something else for you, you are not exempt. You are not out of the club from being able to do the most fruitful, meaningful work there is in this world. That is doing God's will. Period. End of the story. I have developed a pretty thick skin over the years. I can still get hurt. I still have vulnerable moments. But when you're on the internet for a while and you've experienced some of the things that I've experienced in my life, your your skin gets a little thicker, the calluses get a little thicker, the scar tissue builds up, and you can take some more hits than, than you were able to before. So I am not easily triggered and offended by things that other, that a lot of other women are who are going through infertility. And it does make me sad that like sometimes my, I feel like my friends will tiptoe around me with certain things and I'm like, it's cool. You, you can just say that you're totally allowed to have those feelings, those experiences. You do not have to tiptoe around me. And it got me thinking, this has been a huge part of my infertility journey, is this idea of women supporting women, bearing one another's burdens, and weeping with each other and rejoicing with each other. I've touched on this before, but it is so important. We see the concept of women supporting women in the world. You hear this all the time. Girl power. Girls are the future. You guys know how I feel about feminism, but... In the kingdom, in the context of the kingdom, like, what does that look like? It means that whatever your story and purpose looks like in the kingdom, if it's different than mine, I can hold space for you. I can hold space for you. I can rejoice with you and weep with you. And I am not going to get easily offended because you're existing. And breathing and having a different experience than me. If I can't see a woman have a a sister have a baby, and I am so consumed because I've made an idol out of my pain, or out of my out of my disappointment, and I cannot rejoice with her, it's me that needs to do the work. And again, I know I'm gonna say say a few things that I know some people are gonna like tighten up. God wants to set you free. I became a doula a long time ago. We're talking in the earlier 2000s. It's been a long time. Seen a lot of friends, babies born. One of the greatest things I've ever done. Part of the reason I did that is because I wanted to be a part of one of the most incredible things that can happen. It's like a life coming out of a life. It's, It's like nothing else. 
and I always knew that I'm that I might have issues because having endometriosis, which I finally got a diagnosis of at 19 when I had a lung collapse because of the uh, it was a catamenial pneumothorax. I had blisters, the endometrial blisters pop on the left side of my lung during a heat wave in New York City when I was just sort of modeling. Anyway, that's a whole nother story for another day. But I knew I might have trouble conceiving. And part of me became a doula because I wanted to be part of that, even if I would never personally be part of that. And my journey's been interesting with it. There, there have been times that, you know, I will be there, be there through the birth. I'm just so overjoyed, like so overjoyed. And I'll, I'll see her embrace her baby and I'll just know that that's my moment to just go, go to the car, cry. It's okay to feel like we talked about before, feel it and release it. Feel it, just feel it. It's okay. And release it. But I was able to be there for her. These these have been the hardest things. Like I said, I'm, I'm not very sensitive. Women can say a whole lot of stuff around me that doesn't trigger me. There are a few things, I will say, that have been challenging. So if you have somebody in your life dealing with infertility, I think different things are going to trigger different people. And we all need to work on being less offendable so that we can love each other better. But I will say here's here's been for me some of the hardest things with, with infertility over the years. And like now being in my late 30s, going through this in my 20s, my 30s basically, and having these experiences with other women. People that were close to me, women that were close to me, I started noticing a pattern. And so I would brace myself when they would get pregnant with their first baby. I started noticing as soon as they had that baby, we could be super close girlfriends. And as soon as they had that baby, they started spending their time with other women with children and less time with me. And I understood it, you know, I understand you want to be around other women that understand what you're going through on a day-to-day basis. And you want your child to have play dates and there's a whole dynamic. But I remember distinctly it got to the point where the pattern happened so many times that a friend of mine would get pregnant with that baby. I'd be so happy for them. But I just, the very next thought in my head was enjoy these months because that's it. It's over. And I would start to pull my heart back because I knew. And a lot of times they'd ask me to be their doula And I'd be there the whole pregnancy and help them walk through that and the birth and after the birth. And I would just get in the car and I would know that that was it. Because you're not in the club. And I haven't found a lot of clubs for dog moms, so there's that. But um, I would know that that was it. And they contact me when they had questions, you know, like postpartum doula stuff. But that was, that was really it. And I love being Auntie Lee. So many children. I love sending them stuff and seeing the smiles on their faces. I love pouring into them. 
but it changes and I get it, you know, it just hurts. And on that topic, it's kind of a similar thing. A lot of times when you don't have children, women will not value your opinion. Like you have less womanhood. Or you'll see things like those posts that will circulate, like the most, the most valuable thing a woman could ever do. And then you're thinking, but what about me? You know? Or they'll say stuff like, oh, can we stop saying things to stop saying in 2023, dog mom. And it's like, you know, I'm so happy for you that you have your children. But those of us who maybe aren't married, who have lost children, who are widowed, who are infertile, whatever it is, we still have nurturing maternal instincts. It's just built into us by our creator and they have to go somewhere. And some women will become missionaries and they'll go work with children in other countries and some women will foster and some women will work with animals. And yes, I am that crazy dog lady and I pour a lot of that into my animals. But like, our hearts have to go somewhere. So saying things like, let's stop saying dog mom in 2023, when I see other Christian women post that, I just think it's not the biggest deal, but is that the kingdom version of women supporting women? Or should we be holding space for each other? Because, you know, I have my purpose and you have yours. And... I think we should just walk gently on each other's hearts if we can. You know, we're all going to say things and we're going to mis misspeak. That's life. But I think stopping and just kind of thinking, just thinking first about the hearts of others. I'm sure I've said things. <laughs> I know I've said things that... I shouldn't have said. I have more than my share of regrets of things I've said on the internet, but I think it's a goal for us as women in the kingdom. And, you know, I've had my normal fears, fears of, you know, stuff people will bring up to you all the time. Like, who's gonna take care of you when you're old and <laughs> you're not gonna have a legacy. No one is gonna care, even though I think it's possible Jesus is coming back soon um if he tarries you know that's that's always on the table guilt i deal with guilt my brother passed away he was my only sibling my parents won't have grandchildren and um that won't go on but in those fears and things the reality is that i serve an almighty god I have no idea what the future holds I do not think for one second that if God has a different plan for me than having my own children, that I'm going to get to a certain age and he's going to go, well, I didn't think of this. Don't know who's going to take care of you. So good luck with all of that. I don't believe that. So even though sometimes those fears will creep in, I know deep down in my heart 
that there are, there is someone's child out there that I can pass some things on to. It might not be my own biological child. And God will bring someone to take care of me if, if that's a necessity in the future. So it's it's really been an exercise in leaning into him and trusting. And I think that that happens on the other end too, right? I have friends who have an open womb policy where they're trusting for the will of God to be in their life. And for them, that means there, there's a lot of children coming into their life. And that takes a lot of trust and faith too, and surrender in a totally different way. Ironically, I most of the women that I'm closest to have a lot of children each. I think just put together, they have like a whole army of children. And it's just interesting that that's how the father has done it. And I have, I have very few people that I'm close to. Trust issues, I have them very badly. And I now have to observe people for three to four years before I open up to them on a personal level, like me speaking to them person to person. Three to four years I observe them before I even go there. Most of them have a lot of children. And I just think it's beautiful that we can, um, we can be in a conversation with each other and be gentle, but not feel the need to like walk on eggshells and realize we both have the same goal. Our goal is to submit to the will of God. The outcome of that submission to God's will looks different for her than me. And that's okay. Whatever the world's doing, I don't know, it's a disaster, but that that is truly women empowering women. Hey sis, be all that God has designed you to be. And just kind of letting jealousy and competition get out of the way so that we can have fulfilling, joyful relationships and a filling, fulfilling, joyful life. Because if I spend all my time dealing with, oh, I, I'm you know, God, my faith is real shook and God didn't quote unquote answer my prayers and blah, blah, blah. And letting my emotions become idols. Like I, I could be completely missing out on his will for me because I'm spending so much time over here trying to force stuff, trying to, trying to be in control and be, be in charge. And I know people are going to ask about this and I get asked about it a lot. So I will, I will go there. But again, it's, I know this is a very sensitive topic and, oh, <laughs> don't want to talk about it, but here we go. Fertility treatments. God, very clearly. There are things in my life that I have questions, question back and forth. Am I hearing God's voice? What is he telling my spirit, the spirit in me? Very clearly. This one was loud and clear that I was not to mess with fertility treatments. Don't go there. Don't touch it. Stop thinking. Don't even blink at it. Very clear. I also constantly get asked about adoption. I never answer it in the comments because it's just a lot of, like I said, a lot of things I'm private about. A lot of things. Um, for safety reasons, for just growth reasons, for wanting to preserve that privacy. I'm just really intense about it. Um, my husband and I did get a foster adopt license years ago. 
and then a lot of the crazy things happen in the world, mandates happened, him losing his career over that, losing health insurance, blah, blah, blah. We did let, let that license lapse. I'm so thankful because I know that couples with infertility, the divorce rate skyrockets from the already very high divorce rates that we have to even higher ones, I think like 70 something percent. And my marriage is so, so much stronger than when, than years ago. And I'm so thankful. I'm just so, I'm so thankful. God, to God be the glory. And that doesn't mean we've always had easy moments. It doesn't mean he's had to navigate how to let me be in a space of grief for a week or two. And I've had to go fall on my face in front of the Lord because I was being a little snappy because I was, you know, in a place of grief. But then it's like, I got to get out of this. I got, God's got stuff for me to do. You know, I can't be stewing around in that. And that's not me being able to be there and love my husband the way that, that, that I want to. I'm even open to someday, um, if there's an, like a quote unquote adult, you know, there's, there's some kids that like age out of the system or are about to age out of the system and they still want a family, even though they're technically considered adults. You know, they still want a mom, they still want a dad, they want someone to call to be there for them, to encourage them. I'm just so open to whatever Yah Yahweh's will is and whatever he brings. And I think we're both open-handed with that. And if I'm just always anti-Lee and um, there's just children in my life to pour into, you know, praise God for that. I love... My husband and I are crazy animal people, okay? You probably already picked up on that um, from our social media. And we love being pet parents. We pour into our animals. We are those people. Yes, we are. We are We are definitely those people. Whatever, whatever you've heard about the crazy pet people, we are them. I wanted to say, um, I wanted to say because I think it's important, you know, there's different spiritual gifts in the body. Christ and we all have different we're, we're all different parts of the body those women that God has opened their womb very very freely I'm like wow she is very fertile <laughs> it's just like okie dokie but in all seriousness I, I believe they have a spiritual gift it is not my gift I can tell you right now raising five six seven children is not my spiritual gift I don't I don't need to have five, six, seven children to tell you that. <laughs> I know that. And you'll say, oh, God would equip you. God can do anything. I'm telling you it's not my spiritual gift. I think a little self-awareness is good. These women have a spiritual gift. And if we as women, fellow women, fellow sisters in the kingdom, if we could stop saying to women like that things like, oh, better you than me, sis, how about we acknowledge the spiritual gift they have that they're raising godly children that are going to grow up in the world you live in when you're older potentially in the world that's going to see the return of christ i don't know it's very possible how about we rally around them how about we offer to help them how about we rejoice with them and acknowledge them their joys and their struggles. God has shown me some things through my infertility journey. 
One is that I can pour into women in a way that I couldn't if I had my own children. You know, I, I didn't want to hear that at first. I get that. But it's true. There are ways in person and online and, and all different things that I have been able to pour into other women in a way that I would never have been able to if I had my own children. If you hear nothing else, I want you to hear that it's okay to feel things and honor them, but not be consumed. It is so vital in our walk with the Lord and so vital in being effective in this life, in our purpose, that we do not make our emotions an idol, that we take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and do not let our heart run the show. I refuse to be consumed by anger. I refuse to be consumed by doubt. I refuse to be consumed by discouragement. The Lord rebuke it. And we say, Father, what is your will for me today? I'm going to stop dwelling in next week, in next month, in next year, in what if this and what if that and what, what if it does and doesn't happen and this, that and the other. What is your will for me today? In all things. I think my baby needs some love. Come here, buddy. You want to come say hi? Come here, say hi. Come here, say hi. Then my fur baby. This is Zion. Oh, right to the mic, huh? You have anything to say? <laughs> I love you too, buddy. I love you too. All right, I think it's time. I need to give my baby some time. So mommy's coming. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode today. This was... So this was a hard one, guys. Go easy on me in the comments. Go easy. Go easy. My support dog. Go easy on me, guys. I'm just so thankful that you are here. And I, I would love to hear your heart. Just be gentle. Be gentle with each other, you know. And if you don't mind, just be gentle with me on this one in the comments. Um, I love you. We would love to have you check out our website, ourlittlehouseinthemountain.com. I have a dog mama mug on there. I have our, her children rise and call her blessed. I have some new designs on there that I think you guys might like. So go ahead and check those out. And, uh, Lord willing, guys, I'll see you here on the next one. Have some vlogs coming up. And the next podcast episode is going to be about one of the deceptions of our generation, which is that you are not perfect. I know. You're not just okay the way you are another rough one, but we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it and may God be glorified. Lord willing, I'll see all of you right here on the next one. I love you all from the bottom of my heart. See you then. Bye friends.